all welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday afternoon. Joining us from New York City, Tim Bontemps. Hello, fellas. Join us from Dallas, Texas. It's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. So, uh, I right from a playoff football for this, so let's make it a good one. All right, sounds good. I heard the Cowboys took a pretty extreme break. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> I asked the IT department yesterday what time the Cowboys kicked off, and she got mad at me. <laughs> I'm sure she did. Yeah, well, the networks weren't thrilled about it either, to be honest. No offense to the Packers. I think they did all right with Packers Niners yesterday. I think, I think they, they did. I think they managed. Well, that was a high quality game. I think they were more uh, upset about Tampa Bay beating Philly, if I had to guess. Yeah. So uh, on Tuesday this week, the uh, all star starters are going to be announced. We've just passed the 41 game mark. Obviously, the game isn't until the third week of February. Uh, and then the following week, the following Tuesday, which I think is the 30th. Is when the reserves will be announced, which is always the, the more just just to clarify. Thursday. I'm sorry, Thursday. Yeah, that would be February second. I think then. It's the first or, the or first. second. The first, yeah. yeah. You're right. Okay. So they'll be announced Thursday. I couldn't remember which TNT day it was. I yeah. thought it was Thursday on TNT for both back to back weeks. All right. I thought it was Tuesday. Sorry. Anyway, so coming up here, we have the All Stars being announced. I don't know if you uh if anybody paid close attention to the voting. The voting um the fan voting is, uh, is it's a composite player voting, media voting, and fan voting. The fan vote has more weight. Um, yeah, fan vote 50%, media vote 25%, player vote 25% is the breakdown. Right. So we thought we would, uh, since we're at mid-court, mid-court, <laughs> mid-season uh, for just about the uh, almost every team in the league anyway, uh, we thought we would sort of take some time here and say who we think are all-star lineup should be, uh, which, you know, is a common thing that folks in our jobs do about this time of year. So what we're going to do is go with the uh, starting lineups for the East and West first, then talk about the reserves. So Bon Temps, you're in the East. You see a ton of games. Let's have your starting five in the Eastern Conference. So on this pod, we vote for things. So I had had a vote for the all-star starters in both conferences. And so, wow, I did not. Got it. We got to change that. We should get some other votes that are out there. So my ballot, which I, Mark Broussard, NBA PR, reminded me yesterday while I was at the Knicks game that I probably should file by midnight, which I'd forgotten to do. So I did. There was a deadline, right? Yesterday was a deadline. There was a deadline of Saturday at midnight for the ballots, which I did remember to file then. So my ballot was in the backcourt. I had Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson. Second guard spot was an interesting debate between a bunch Mm -hmm. of guys we'll probably talk about. And the front court was very simple. Had Giannis, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. Those guys, I think, are pretty obviously the three front court guys in the East. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's much of a debate on the three front court players. And nope. the voting, by the way, the fan voting is um pretty heavily in that direction too. Uh Giannis has over four million votes, Embiid 3.7, Tatum 3.7, and then a golf, and then Jimmy Butler at 1.3. So I think you're probably headed in that direction anyway. You could make a case in the East front court for a number of players, as Bontemps said. You make a case. I'm sorry, backcourt. Ryan's having a rough pod so far. (laughs) I know what he meant. Just clarifying. Backcourt. You've got Donovan Mitchell having another quality year for the Cavs. You've got Jalen Brown, who's uh, part of a juggernaut in Boston. I don't, you know, I'm not sure how strong some of the other players can. Like, I'm not sure Jimmy Butler has played enough where he would be there. Dame Lillard mm-hmm. just had a spectacular game, I think 45 points on Saturday. He would be a consideration, although the Bucks 
haven't exactly blown everybody away, even though he's had some pretty good games. I think you know it's, it's an interesting top discussion for him on the uh, reserves. But Devin, I mean, uh, Bruns, Jalen Brunson has been just absolutely terrific and has been the difference maker in win after win after win for the Knicks. And, you know, frankly, I had the same ballot on the East as Bontemps did, uh, McMahon. Damn, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come across as a Jalen Brunson hater because I'm the only one that did not have him among the starters and uh, i mean there's several guys that are very good selections for the second spot i mean i think everybody agrees that halliburton's the first one but uh, there's yeah. you could pick the, a the, lot of guys for the second one the three front court and halliburton did not require a whole lot of consideration the second spot is tough i i actually went with donovan mitchell uh over bronson and over uh tyrese maxi over damian lillard those were the, the guys that i considered it maxi too yeah i forgot to say him yep and and with donovan you know, he has missed some time, but the guy's averaging 28 points pretty efficiently, you know, basically 28, five and a half and six. And the Cavs have kept their head, not only have kept their heads above water, but they're right there in the thick of things, despite having two of their top four guys out. And a lot of that's because Mitchell's been carrying them along, along with Jared Allen. But as far as the offensive, uh, the, you know, the scoring punch goes, Mitchell's been carrying them. So, uh, I went with Mitchell as the uh, as a second starter there. Yeah, his usage rate has not surprisingly gone up quite a bit in January when you look at his previous uh, production. I think it's been the highest usage rate in a month that he's had as a Cav in his season and a half as a Cav and um, has still, you know, been reasonably efficient. Um, his um, his scoring percentage, his scoring uh, has actually gone down a little bit, but his assists have gone up because the Cavs are playing a better, more well-rounded offense. So there's a there's a definite uh, case to be made there. And like I don't think anybody would quibble with that. I think uh, Jalen or Donovan would be terrific uh, choices. One you know, other guy probably deserves just be mentioned is Trey Young, too, who's having a really good year for Atlanta. Obviously, obviously, Atlanta's not having a good year, but... We're going to fill out the roster. We, we've got seven reserve spots. I know. Here. I just he, He's probably in the same ballpark as Maxie and Lillard and Mitchell and these guys, too. That's all. Yeah, he he's really kind of started out uh, sluggish shooting the ball, but he's having, I believe, the best assist season of his career, um, just playmaking at an all-time level for him. And it does hurt that the Hawks have underachieved and have been a losing team. I didn't even see where he was on the – I don't think he's – He's actually got a chance to start because he's, I believe, second in player and fan voting right now. So Yeah, he is. So he's um, – the East – I didn't go over the East uh, voting. So Halliburton, um, 2.7. Uh, Trey Young 1.8, Lillard 1.7, and then um, uh, Mitchell and Maxi behind them. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if the players, which would be interesting, if the players vote him in as a top two and the media comes in top two, he would uh, he would have a good chance to win one of those spots. Uh, Brunson is not in the top five. In uh, yeah, my suspicion is Dame yeah. ends up getting the actual spot in real life, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. So McMahon, you're a West guy. Who's your West starting five? All right. West starting five. Um, you want to run through the fan votes real quick? Yeah. So in the West, uh, backcourt, Luca has 3.2 million. Steph Curry has 2.6. Shea Gilgis Alexander is in third place. He's not that far behind Steph, Mm -hmm. which 
I'm kind of proud of the voters there because, you know, it's nothing against Steph, but, you know, shape being in a small market who really hasn't achieved really in, in the playoffs at all. Like, you know, you'd really have to be an educated fan to know just how good he's been. He's a 2.3. Uh, I, I strongly believe Curry is going to hold that lead, but uh, so he's third. James Harden is is uh, fourth. Kyrie Irving fifth. So any uh, hit with the fans that James Harden took for his most recent trade demand has apparently eased um, because he's still got a pretty good uh, spot here in the voters. Although he's way back. Uh, he's also huge still goal. very popular in China. That's true. Yeah, the most interesting part of the guard voting in the West is that all, all three of those top guys have a bazillion votes and everybody after that's under a million. Like that's they basically have gotten those three guys have gotten the vast, vast, vast majority of the votes. Uh, in the front court, LeBron is leading the voters. He's second in all voters to Giannis. Now, they did away this year with the um, the uh, voting with the captains, where the two mm-hmm. leading vocators from each conference would get to pick teams. It's not going to be that. It's going to be straight east for straight west, like when we were kids and adults. But it would be Giannis against LeBron again, I think, for the third straight year is what it would have been. So, and. While the concept of that was really good, the, the the most memorable moment really was a few years ago, or I guess it was two years ago. Durant was Durant and LeBron, and Durant picked, made sure that he wouldn't pick his own teammate, James Harden. I think that was right centers. after Harden was traded. Right, Harden had been traded, and they had to do the the pick em, and he kept drafting big men so that he wouldn't draft Harden. Yeah, his, and LeBron his, his very was like recently laughing. former teammate Harden. Right, former teammate. That's right. Anyway, he's uh, LeBron is going to start. Uh, I believe it'll be his twentieth consecutive All Star game. He didn't make the All Star game his rookie year. Uh, I remember this pretty vividly. Um, he wasn't named a starter, and he was really annoyed that he wasn't named a starter. I'm sorry, he wasn't named a starter, and then he was not named as a reserve, and he was really annoyed that he hadn't been named as a reserve. You know, he was a rookie and the Cavs were in like 10th or 11th place. It wasn't a shocking decision, but he was really mad about it. And I remember asking him, I remember being in the Palace of Auburn Hills. This is the day that it came out. It was a probably a national TV game against the Pistons. And uh, I asked him, I go, well, you know, there there's a poss- possibility of you being an injury replacement. If there's an injury, you could replace him. And he goes, I'm an only child. I don't come second. And I mean, it was one of the, you know, LeBron's, you know, rookie year, he was pretty, he handled things really well. There were two things that he didn't handle well that year from that I could see from, from like the public persona standpoint. One was he declined to do that or that he, you know, basically said, I won't, I won't uh, do it if I'm an injury replacement. He got to, when he thought about that for a day, he changed his mind and came back and re, you know, retracted that and said, actually, I would play. Of course, I'd love to play. But then he kind of pouted, I think, and didn't do the dunk contest, which they really, really wanted him to do. They were pretty much begging him to do the dunk contest. Sprite, who he was doing commercials for at the time, was paying him several million dollars a year, was the sponsor of the dunk contest. (laughs) And from what I understand, tried every single thing that they could think of, including cash incentives to get him to do it. And he would not do it. Hmm. And I think part of the reason is because he didn't think he was good in dunk contests because he had had a dunk contest at the McDonald's All-American game the year before, and he won it in quotes, but he really didn't win it. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a stuffed ballot box. It was uh, an unfair uh, vote because mm-hmm. it, was, it was in Cleveland. Shannon Brown 
was the rightful winner of that McDonald's slam dunk contest. I think that played into it, but I also think he was like, well, look, if you don't want to name me to the team, you're not getting me. If you don't want me on Sunday, you're not getting me on Saturday. Now, the other thing that he did that was out of an overall really good performance under a lot of intensity and demands his rookie year was Christmas Day. He was in the first game in the out of Christmas Day shoot. They didn't have five games back then. I think they only had two or three. Mm-hmm. And it was Orlando versus Cleveland. And he and Tracy McGrady, the game went to overtime. McGrady had 40. LeBron had like 35. It was a terrific game. And it had been arranged that he would come on to countdown on ABC. It was the first ABC game of the year. Uh, ABC had just become a, uh, the, the, the rights holder for the NBA. And it was the first ABC game. And they were going to interview LeBron on countdown right before. I think it was Lakers Rockets or something it was, you know, a Laker game. Right. And basically he said no. And I remember John Saunders, RIP John Saunders had called the game for ESPN and like run over to the Cavs locker room to do the interview they were going to get thrown to. And LeBron just wouldn't do it. And he was basically telling the premium brand new partner of the NBA, ABC, no, I'm not giving you an interview. And they were not happy. It was not so other than those two things, I think he handled it really well. But long story short, he didn't make it his rookie year. And then he's met a starter in the East and West every year since. And I believe he will be it again. And he has the most votes in the West, 3.9 million in the most recent. Jokic from the Nuggets, number two at about 3.5 million. I think he's a shoe-in as well. Uh, KD Kevin Durant from the Suns, third. Not sure that's the way it's going to go for all the voters, but I think KD has a strong chance of mm-hmm. getting in. He's made it like majority of his 17-year career as a starter in the East, or always in the East and West. Okay, McMahon. Oh, sorry, the backcourt. Luca, number one at 3.2 million. You already did the backcourt. I already said that. I already said that. Sorry, go ahead. I'll tell you what. I asked the man for the uh, to give me what the fan votes were. We got a bonus story time with Wendy. I know. Bontemps was rolling his eyes during the whole thing. Listen, Bontemps, I wasn't rolling my eyes. I just Bontemps was I was laughing roll. when you forgot what you did earlier. That's it's all. Okay. So we all love story time with Wendy. I, 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 think, a good story. I think there's a lot of sponsors who would love to uh, be featured in that segment. Um, so I think I think the fans got it right with one exception. I would go Shea Gildas Alexander over Steph Curry for the starters. All due respect to Steph, SGA is a shortlist MVP candidate. So I uh, just review Joker, LeBron, KD, SGA, and Luca would be my starting five in the West. All right, Bontemps. I had a couple changes. I'm with McMahon. I think when you factor in the combination of uh, SGA's play <clears throat> and also the fact that Steph has been awesome, but just not quite as good as those guys, coupled with the vast difference in team performance, mm-hmm. I would say and Luca are the starting backcourt. I didn't have LeBron among my three starters. LeBron's having a great year. I think there's a lot of guys you could choose from in the West. Jokic was an easy choice. I think after that, there's several guys that all deserve consideration. I ended up going with KD and Kawhi ultimately for his because of how good Kawhi has been for the Clippers. But if you want to have LeBron and AD, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think both of those guys, I mean, you could even maybe argue AD's been a little bit stronger of a case for an all-star starting spot. I mean, LeBron's going to start for sure yeah. based off of being the leading vote getter. And I'm sure he'll get plenty of media votes deservedly too and player votes. So I'm sure he will start, but I went back and forth and ultimately landed on KD and Kawhi on 
the second and third West front court spots. Kawhi is having a, a brilliant season. His team is excelling, especially after uh, the Harden trade. Uh, when you watch him play, he is, um, I don't know if it's fair to say he's at the top of his game because I don't know if he'll ever return to that <laughs> level that he was with San Antonio about a decade ago. But he's, he's as good as, as he's been since Toronto. Not quite yeah, a decade it's... ago, about seven years ago. As long as I'm telling LeBron stories, <laughs> maybe one of the great moments, one of the great odes to Kawhi, one of the great moments of Kawhi's career. You know what I'm going to say? I have a pretty good suspicion of it. You can find it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, 2014 finals, Kawhi was yeah. on his way to being the MVP. Um, and I believe it was game five, a game in San Antonio, the, uh, yeah. the Heat are trying to avoid elimination. And... They're trying to make a, a comeback. The Spurs have, have had control of the whole series, really, after game two. And um, they're trying, LeBron's trying to get the team into control of the game. And in the fourth quarter, he's trying to lead a comeback, and Kawhi's on the bench resting. LeBron's at the foul line. And he shoots the first free throw, and you hear the buzzer ring for a substitution. And you can see on the broadcast, they show LeBron at, this, at, the, uh, at the foul line. You see Kawhi Leonard pass behind him as he comes into the game and LeBron turns looks over his shoulder and sees that it's Kawhi coming in and knows that his chance with Kawhi off the court is over and Kawhi's in to sort of finish the game and he drops his head and issues a, a you know says a cuss word and I can't think of a higher compliment that, that yep. he's ever given to any player yep. than to be like damn like I I'm in trouble now because this guy's coming in the game. And Kawhi was a third-year player, I think, at the time. And I will point out that the year before, when the Heat made the the miraculous fourth-quarter comeback against the, the the Spurs, that it was aided by Kawhi missing at the line. And mm -hmm. I will say that it was Kawhi at the foul line. I've never. I, I know you could never say you could never ever say that you could you could read an emotion on Kawhi's face. But I remember seeing Kawhi at the foul line as he was taking those free throws and going, I don't think he's super comfortable in this spot. And so a year later, Kawhi at that level was amazing. He was finals MVP. Anyway, I think Kawhi has been awesome this year. He is definitely, he was in, in the list that I gave to the league. Um, you could make, uh, I agree, Jokic is a no-brainer. You could make a case uh, for Anthony Davis, uh, a very good case for Anthony Davis, um, because... Uh, if you look at his numbers, they're actually kind of similar to last season with the exception of one thing. Same points play. are That's right. Points are the same. Rebounds are the same. Blocks are a little bit up, but he's still averaging two a game. Shooting percentages are relatively the same. A little bit higher on three-pointers, but he's not really taking any, so it doesn't matter. He's been healthy. That's the thing about Kawhi. Kawhi's yeah. out there playing every game virtually. He's missed a couple. He landed on his hip a few weeks ago, but he's playing in back-to-backs. AD's playing in back-to-backs. I really heavily considered going with AD, LeBron, and uh, Kevin Durant. But Durant has had to carry a bigger burden. You couldn't go uh, AD, LeBron, and Kevin Durant. What, what was your ballot? You said you voted for Kawhi, and then you said you voted for, uh, thought about voting for those three guys. So who did yeah, you Yeah, I had, I had to pick one. Oh. I had to pick okay. one of the three. You picked one of those three with Kawhi and Jokic. Okay. So yes. I, I did come up with a statistical thing here, just not to go straight by it, but to serve as a guide. And I call this the HNI, the Huge Nerd Index. And the reason I call it the Huge Nerd Index is because I stole this from Andy Bailey. He's a lawyer from Wyoming 
who does a lot of stat-based stuff for Bleacher Report. And he is a nerd and he is huge. He's like 6'8", 250. Okay. So let's just think. He takes so literally all- a huge nerd. He's literally a huge nerd. So this okay. is the huge nerd index named after the guy I stole it from, Andy Bailey. Oh, God. And he puts this, I don't know, I think he does it. McMahon's bias towards tall people but is, what is, the, what is really remarkable. And that just is so, its own podcast someday. He puts out on, on an occasional basis a an index of, he calls it the eight catch-all stats, like all the really super dorky stats. He just combines them all together and ranks the guys who have played, I think, like at this point, like 300 minutes per okay. game. And so the West starters by that would be same two guys in the back were SGA and Luca, and it would actually be Joker, AD, and LeBron. Now, the reason I say this is you can use it as a guide, there's no way in hell you can put two players from a freaking 10th place team in the starting lineup for the All-Star game. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't. You can't, but that... And then uh, Kawhi and, and KD are, are are right after that. So I say all that to say I think that if you're picking from the front court guys, Joker's the the one who is a no brainer to me. LeBron's a no brainer just because at a certain point, like if a guy's got a 20 year streak going, sure. that's a pretty strong tiebreaker. And then I agree with you. You're kind of picking between. I eliminate AD just because. Sorry, dude, you guys need to win more games to have a case for two All Star starters. And so you're picking between Kawhi and KD at that point, in my opinion. And that's fine. Uh, and I the, the expedite then we have three guards that we're going to put on the team, right? The Steph, Luca, and SGA. And we've got five front court guys. We all agree will be on the team, right? Jokic, Kawhi, yeah, I, Lakers, and Durant. I didn't even say who I voted for though. So I thought you just did. I thought you did, and then you had a story time, and then you did again. I was interrupted. I, well, was right, saying, I went with KD for? because I felt that he had a heavier lift because of the injuries on his team. Yeah, you said that before. Okay, well, I, I don't even know if I got that out. I got snapped off by the heightest over there. Okay. Wh- which one? You. Heightest. Wow. All right. So we, we I'll, all I'll agree. on the head next time I see you. <laughs> we all agree those eight guys are going to be on the our West teams, right? So we're looking at, we're looking at one more guard. We're looking at one more front court player, and we're looking at two wild card spots each. Yes, and so honestly, the West was much more difficult for me than the East, just because I think that there are many, many more uh, deserving candidates in the West. Anthony Edwards is a must to me for the simple fact that the Minnesota Timberwolves are the number one team in the West. They absolutely have to have a rep. And yep. one of the things that was tough for me is I don't I don't think I can get a second Timberwolf onto the roster. So Ant is uh, my second guard, despite the fact that in the HNI he was the 15th ranked guy in the Western Conference, which surprised me a little bit. Um, so you, you mentioned Kawhi and AD are going to be uh, part of the front court. I went with Wendy's favorite European big man. And we know it's not Joker. Oh, no, 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 no. The anti-Joker lobbying campaign was a thing. So we know it's not Joker. Wendy's favorite Euro big, we all know, is DeMontis Sabonis. Number eight on the Western Conference HNI. And he's more of an American than any of those other guys, but okay. Yeah, this one was, uh, I mean, the guy's averaging an efficient 20 points, eight assists, and leading the league in rebounding. for And, you know, 
I don't know where they are in the standings today. I think they're in seventh. But basically, fifth through eighth, we're talking about the same thing. Those teams are separated by a game or half a game. So uh, Sabonis was my other forward. Then the the two wild cards. Honestly, man, the wind could blow, and I might I might change these. I ended up going with Markinen and Booker. With apologies to Paul George, Darren Fox, James Harden, Chet Holmgren, Alpley Shingoon, and whoever you want to say is the second Timberwolf, whether that's Carl Fox. Carl Towns and uh, you know and Gobert both would have cases. Towns has played pretty good for the last month, even though the Thunder with a big win over them um, on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, in, in all honesty, you could argue that maybe the most important Timberwolf is Mike Conley. I mean, he's not making the team, but. You know, Chris Finch was talking the other day about how many days in Mike Conley's career that he has been on a team in first place in the Western Conference. When you think about mm -hmm. the Grizzlies teams that he was on that had very oh. high seeds, maybe they weren't always in first, but they had they were spent time in first. And those Jazz teams, a yep. number of top four seeds, three or four. And now here he is, his first full year in Minnesota. And look, they're not in first because of him, but he is such the glue that he's really, really important. And part of the reason why maybe it's hard to differentiate with those other guys is because he's helped make them all look good. But I mean, he's obviously not getting in, but, uh, you know, he's, when you look at the Timberwolves, he's, he's having a huge impact on, For sure. on what they're doing. All right, Bontemps, go ahead with the West. I'm with you on Anthony Edwards. I put him as my second guard for all the reasons you said. I actually put Rudy Gobert on the team. I think when you look at how dominant he's been defensively, the Wolves have been the best defensive team in the league by two entire points for 100 possessions. It's the same gap between the Celtics in second and the Heat in 10th. Mm -hmm. Like they've been fantastic at that end. Rudy is, I used to have other really good defensive players too, but Rudy has been the anchor of that. I had him on there as my second front court spot. So then you are looking at a very difficult list. I mean, you mentioned some of them between Booker, Darren Fox, Paul George, Larry Markinen. Alperen Shangun, Sabonis. There's a, there's a lot of guys that merit co some consideration. I ultimately did the same as you. I went with Paul George and Devin Booker. I think Paul George has been fantastic. No, I had I had, uh, Paul George is my first apology. Oh, you had him instead of marketing, right? I had, so I had marketing, marketing instead of him. Yeah, I think Paul George has been incredible this year across the board. And Devin Booker obviously had some injuries and missed a little bit of time, but he's played plenty of games and. I mean, as we just saw the other night in New Orleans, he has been incredible when he's been on the court this year. But look, there's close to 20 guys that deserve to make it. So there's going to be a lot of mm. upset people, understandably, in the West when you look at a bunch of these guys who are going to be left off in the end. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. 
shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We didn't even mention the Pelicans guys. I mean, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. That's the thing. I, I was looking at I was like, you know, the Pelicans are in fifth place and have played pretty well basically in for the last month. Brandon Ingram is having a good year, but the standard to make it in the West is so high and his production has actually fallen off from last year. And so, and Zion just is not there yet. And I, I, you, I can't get a Pelican on and it's not really, you know, quote unquote fair. They should have be represented because they, you know, where they are, but I just not going to happen. Um, I mean, where they are, where they are is in the five to eight range. It, you know, sorry. It's not yeah, but they're in fifth and they've had a bunch of good wins recently. Um, Brandon, Brandon Ingram didn't crack the top 25 in the Western Conference H&I. And uh, Zion was somewhere around 20. And if you're talking about people for where they are record-wise, like I'd rather have Minnesota have, I mean, this isn't what came down to it for me, but Minnesota deserves two all-stars to me over teams like Sacramento and New Orleans getting one if you're doing it that way. Kyrie is having a good year, but he's missed so much time and the competition yeah. is pretty stiff. That's yeah, a pretty yeah. easy tiebreaker with the, he's had a terrific year stat-wise, but when he's missed 15, 16 games, it's a pretty easy tiebreaker when you look at just how deep the field is. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I said it's an artificial limit, but I said games played at at least 30. And if, and if you haven't hit 30 yet, then that, that's a, that was the cutoff for me. Yeah. De'Aaron Fox hasn't actually had as good of a year as he did last year. His By the numbers way, Zion are... came in at 21 on the H and I right after Victor Wimbanyama. So I don't apologize for not including him. Yeah, I just he, apologize. If he wants to be an all-star, he can grab a rebound on occasion. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I just think it's, you'd like to see a Pelican on there, but. Aaron Fox is averaging 28 on 47% shooting and 40% from three, by the way. Okay. He's, he's just <laughs> no, not but listen, we can go down numbers of guys who didn't make the cut and they all have cases. There's no I'm just doubt. Saying his, he's I'm, not been as quite as good as he was last year is what I'm saying. That was the part I was, that's the part I was sort of pointing out. Are, are we sure that's the case? Well, you know, if you want to bicker with that statement, go ahead and bicker with it. But I'm just saying it's a hard, you know, it's a challenging call. Okay. I am definitely going with Paul George and Devin Booker. Booker is having to play kind of a new position mm -hmm. at point guard. And yeah, the Suns have underachieved overall. But if you watched his production and how important he is, he they would be nowhere without him. And so, you know, and Paul George, I think, is having his best season as a Clipper. And, you know, the Clippers are doing great. And I think those two guys have earned it. If you're asking me to choose but one king, I would probably choose Sabonis, even though I think Fox is super elite and leaving him off is tough. Bob Timps, did you leave Sabonis off? I did. The biggest Sabonis hater. Of course you did. <laughs> well, look, I mean, ultimately, I was going back and forth with him and Gobert. And I think, like, I had the same choice as you, basically. And, like, look, if you want to say Sabonis should make it, I, there's no argument against it for me. Like, he's been awesome. Neither of you guys have said the name Jamal Murray. He has too much I time. He, I don't think he – and I also he also hasn't been good enough. Yeah. Jamal Murray's a terrific player, but he's averaging 20 and 6. Like, you look at the competition in the West. Like, I, look, I was at the game Friday in Boston. Fantastic game. Maybe a finals preview with Celtics Nuggets. 
after that game. Jamal was incredible in that game. After the game, one of the assistant coaches walked up to me and said, that guy's a bleeping all-star. Players on the team were saying, this guy's an all-star. Like, I understand why they're saying it, but he has not had an all-star season. Doesn't mean he's not a great player, but no, he, he he's a he's. I mean, look, he was the second best player on a championship team and had a he damn sure played at an all star level in the play. And he's you could say yep. he played at all star level, but he missed a, a significant stretch there because of his hamstring. Yeah, he's uh, one game below your thirty game cutoff at the moment. He's got twenty nine games played, at and his his numbers just aren't. They don't jump off the stat sheet like some of these other guys in the HNI in the, in the West, he is right below uh, Zion, right above Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. So he's he's in the 20s. It's like, you know, very good player, played at a superstar level in the playoffs, doesn't really have a legitimate all, all-star case right now. Yep. Yeah, Fox's numbers are better. Markinen basically is putting up the same numbers as last year, almost straight across the board in slightly fewer minutes and he was an all-star last year. And I know that the, the, the jazz sort of last year, they sort of outperformed early and then went down after. And then this year they sort of started very slow and then have ramped up, but they're almost about the same spot they were. So marketing's case is very strong. And I would, you know, I marketing Sabonis at the start of this season, he maybe you wouldn't have thought that those two guys would make it, but like I have him on there. So who well, are think, ultimately you had four guys to choose. Who did you ultimately choose? Markinen, Sabonis, George, and Booker. So you had Booker as a guard, or I guess either Harry or Paul George, I guess, are guards. And then one of the forwards is a front court guy, and then your two wild cards. Makes yes. sense. All worthy. Yeah. I don't think, you know, Harden is you can't have three clippers if you're only having one Timberwolf. I don't think Harden also hard to make an all-star team given off the way he given the way he started the season. Right. I agree. Way. I, mean, uh, I, I can make a case based off impact, but look, he gets dinged for the way the season started when he wasn't participating. You know, he got what he wanted with the trade. It's working out phenomenally. He's on a team that has a chance to win a championship, but sorry. also averaging 17 and eight. Like it's again, it's like Jamal Murray compared to these other guys. He's got no argument to make yeah. it. So Towns is numbers. Towns is averaging 22 points shooting. Uh, 51% from the field, 43% from three. It's his best season ever from three to this point. Uh, averaging nine rebounds in playing a role that is fitting in with the Wolves. Gobert, I think, will probably end up on more coaches' ballots because mm-hmm. he is regarded as a guy who is a big difference maker. I think Towns is having a phenomenal season. Um, well, Gobert won't end up on as many player ballots, I bet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... Oh, but that's got uh, yeah, that's also, that's got nothing to do with the to with the reserves though. Just for just so fans know, true. coaches just pick the reserves. Yeah, coaches pick the reserves. Carl's had a great year, especially after a slow start. I just you're not going to get three Timberwolves on the team, and he's. I agree. First. I'm just I'm just mentioning guys that I considered. Do you consider and, um the standard to make it as a rookie is so high? The last rookie to make the last rookie to make the All Star team was Blake Griffin. And it was same as Chet was really his second year because his first year he missed sort of injury. It was his rookie year. Bontemps, you just wrote a piece about Shingoon. I, I mean, did. the guy is averaging 22 points, nine rebounds, five assists. I mean, the five assists are very impressive. Shooting a high percentage. And he's a great personality. Yeah, he's a really entertaining guy. He's having a great year. He's been sort of the 
He's been sort of the face of phase two for the Rockets as they've sort of, you know, moved, as Tim's talked about a lot, they've sort of moved into this new era with the team and trying to make the playoffs this year. And obviously you add Dylan Brooks, you add Fred Van Vliet, you add Amy Odoka, gives that team some leadership, some defensive spine. Those guys, not surprisingly, have all been on Chingun to play better defensively, something he admitted he can do and has been trying to do. But he's a fantastic offensive player and I think it's reasonable to assume he's going to be, he's on a path to be at least as good to me as Demonis Sabonis, which is a heck of a player. And I think he's maybe got a chance to be better than that because he's a little bigger than Sabonis, like height-wise. I think so. I might be wrong on that. He you looks know they measure these guys. They do. <laughs> so I can go look it up. But I, he's a terrific player and a fun guy. And again, like another guy who you got to look at, but it's just it's just really difficult with all these guys in the West. And I was in the same place on Chet. I thought about Chet. Obviously, he's having a fantastic year, you know, averaging almost 40 from three, 55% from the 54% from the field. But again, 17 and seven with three, two and a half blocks a game is a fantastic year. But when you're talking about these other guys, like I don't have to modest opponents on my team. He's averaging like, what, 21, 13 and eight. Yeah. Just, it's a really tough, it's a really tough nut to crack. So oh, you're right. Shingun is an inch taller than Sabonis, 6'11 to 6'10. Shingun has actually grown two inches since he was drafted. Hmm. So when you talk about Chet, though, I think Jalen Williams is an undervalued player overall in the league, I think. I don't he's think he's ever valued in the league. I think maybe he hasn't gotten as much attention from the fans, fan media, whatever. But I think people in the league are fully aware that J-Dub is a stud. Yeah. I guess his averages of the league. Um, his m- averages: eighteen point eight, four rebounds, four assists, and he's averaging fifty-four point seven percent shooting from the field and forty-five point eight percent from three, which is pretty. While good. guarding the second toughest assignment, yep. one through four, Lou Dort takes the toughest. He takes the number two. No, they two A and two B is what they've got behind Shea because we, Holmgren's numbers offensively are right there as well. And then Holmgren is a legit all defense candidate right yep. now. It, yep. You know, you know, with the, you know, the thunder, you know, haven't at least publicly been, you know, campaigning for Chet, but when the rookie of the year campaigning begins, what they, what I suggest that they should do is they should take some of the quotes that players have said, who've played against him, because there's been a number of them when they see him for the first time. And they're like, this guy is a real force. Like they, like they are not just complimentary. They are like affected by going up against him. I think and, they should take the one from Joker that says he should get fatter. <laughs> yeah. Joker's uh he's, he's uh he's jealous of his metabolism, but there was a, you know, there was a, a little thing that went viral last night. Uh, Thunder sideline reporter, Nick Gallo was interviewing um, Shea Gildas Alexander after they won that game against the uh against the Timberwolves on the road was a really good win and Shea's they talking from a big deficit in the fourth quarter outs going 28 14 to win that game and they've been a great fourth quarter team all year but the, but you know he's interviewing Shea on the walk-off interview and you know like players do sometimes they come around um and sort of you know mock the guy doing the interview so Chet's there Jalen Williams is there the other Jalen Williams is there but like you look at those guys and they're all enormous like they're all standing side by side. They're all enormous and they're all like super young. And it was like the Thunder's, you know, young, you know, future just you know, sort of posing after this big road win. But, you know, but of course, I'm going to mention Victor here. Now, of course, Victor's not going to make the all-star team. But I just want to point out that he is averaging 
20 points, 10 rebounds, 3.2 blocks as a rookie, three assists. He's shooting terribly from three-point range. He's shooting 30% from three-point range. Okay, it's not good. He's literally the worst shooter in the league when you factor in any kind of volume. Okay, go look at LeBron's rookie year shooting and tell me how that was. Isn't that Le- it? Isn't that Victor stinks? It's just pointing out I'm he's just saying. the worst shooter in the league by volume this year. That's well, all. So he does not like the Euro big. You know that, Wendy. Bond, I do. No one hates the Euro big like Bond yes. Temps. I'm just saying. Oh, wait, he's like, not a big, so you can like Bond Temps and I <laughs> got into a, a text back and forth the other night about. I don't think I agree that Chet is ahead in the rookie of the year race. I think it's tight, and yeah, Chet I, I, Chet's I probably going to win. Because his team is awesome, but Wembenyama is having an absolutely terrific, terrific rookie season, and he's a you know a first year player. I know that Chet wasn't playing in the games last year, but he did have another year to physically mature. Well, I don't think the rookie of the year race is over. Sorry, and, and Wemby, since they've actually have played him, and Pop still won't call him a center. He says he's the only big on the court, which you know, whatever. Just because Victor doesn't want to be called a center. Right. Since he's been playing as, and I it, like his point is they don't, you know, he still plays kind of a positionless offensive style, whatever. Since he's been the lone big on the court, his numbers are phenomenal. Um, yep. Despite the fact that for almost all of that time, he's been on a minutes restriction because of the ankle that he aggravated in Dallas when he stepped on that doofus ball boy's foot. I actually think the minutes limit has helped him put up numbers and been part of his performance. And I would point back to another guy who had an unbelievable rookie year, though he played a lot less games, Joel Embiid. And if you go back and look, when Joel played as a rookie, he was on a minutes limit. He ended up having a meniscus injury and missed most of the season. So he played 31 games. His numbers across the board are basically what Victor's were now from a points, rebounds, blocks standpoint. And he was going out there for 25 minutes a game and basically trying to just get the ball every single time and do stuff because he was out there for a pretty small amount of time. And I think we've seen Victor do that. And I think it's been good because we've seen him around the rim more. He's been attacking the rim, which is great. And he's playing great. He's just like most years he would walk to rookie of the year. He's also yeah. rookie of the year race against a guy who's got basically the same numbers is a dramatically better shooter and has had a huge impact on winning on one of the best teams in the league. So I will say this Victor, when you say that his shooting is so poor, you are correct, but also he is expected to do more offense for his team than Chet is. So he is under, and Chet is a much more efficient player. And my guess is if they took the same amount of shots, that Chet would still be a more efficient player. But when you look at Wembenyama, who's on a bad team that needs offense, he, he has to sometimes he do doesn't some need more to stuff. Be take, he doesn't need to be the worst three-point shooter in the league. He wants to shoot the ball from three a lot, and he is missing a lot of threes. That's all. Doesn't again. It's not. A, it's not. Does not mean he's not an awesome player. It's just. It's stating a fact. For guys who've taken more than 100 threes, he's the only one shooting under 30 percent from the entire for the entire season across the league. That's all. Yeah. Still an awesome player. Yeah. Anyway, neither one of them making the All Star team, but Chet closer. I'm sure they will play in the rookie sophomore game. I assume on the same roster. That will be something. Who gets to play? I guess Victor will get to play power forward in that game. No, oh, I was going to say, who gets to play point? Who's the two? <laughs> are they still, are they doing it as rookies and sophomores? Or are they picking teams for that? Because haven't they been picking teams for that for a while? If you don't I, know, nobody does. I thought it was U.S. against the world. I don't know. So they, they, did that, they did that for a while, and then the U.S. was in trouble of losing. It's I'm going to look it up because I'm curious, but no, but the fact, the fact none of us knows is another reason why it shouldn't exist. But No, I like it. 
And it's a nice honor for those guys. Not those guys necessarily, but it's a nice honor for And now it's a tournament style format where they tournament. Play, they play there will be drafted into four teams of seven. There's gonna be twenty-eight rookies and sophomores. That's what it that's what that's what it's been the last couple of years. I'm now reminding myself four teams of seven. Yeah. Well, hell, what the hell are you gonna do with Victor's minutes limit if he's only got two subs on his squad? Seven. There were set last year, there were <laughs> 21 rookies and sophomores and seven G League players. And oh, they were drafted into then then the, the 21 NBA players were drafted onto three teams of seven that played to an Elam ending score. Now did the Elam have on, so maybe that'll go okay. away. Mon Temps, did soft. you have any idea? Did you do you I like I don't not only did I not know this, I was I reading didn't it. I even on remember the being told this and like, oh, I forgot. Well, I had to do a I had to do an interview with Cade Cunningham two years ago when he won on the court. So I remember vaguely the, the game ending that time. The uh, the rookie sophomore format is more complicated than, than the huge nerd index <laughs> formula. Like, I mean, we're back to basketball this year per Adam Silver. We got rid of the we got rid of the draft for the bat for the all-star game. Maybe we'll go back to rookie sophomores again. I, I who knows? <laughs> I know that I don't care. So can we dis- they'll be in they'll be in indie playing in the game. Whatever the game celebrity like. game. That's what we need to do. Contents oh. actually, I want I want full game coverage from you while you're in Indianapolis. Puerto Rico of the Midwest. I want full game coverage. You can you can do game. that. How's that? You can do it. I want I want <laughs> round by round analysis with full grades. Round <laughs> round one. Helton round probably two. has some. Helton probably has grades for it. I would guess that's his domain. I think I think we've lost the we've we've lost the All Star Weekend. We lost I mean, it some weekend, time ago. The All Star Weekend has been lost, but that that's a whole other story. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Hey, we still got East reserves to pick. Hey, we got to talk about the East. Yes, that's right. All right, Bontemps, East reserves. East reserves. I honestly have to get my head reoriented back to. Uh, <laughs> Bontemps, who's, who are your 14 <laughs> sophomores who are going to make so, the. Uh... <laughs> uh, so from a, from a. Uh... Is Chet a rookie or a sophomore by that, that thing? Too? He is a rookie. A rookie. He's a rookie. But he's a second year. The rookie. F class. I'm confused. 
Good luck making him play in the sophomore game next year. He'll be like, forget that. Yeah, I'm playing in the All-Star this. game. This. He ain't a G League, that's for sure. So Blue I would say, so my my second and uh, my my backup guards for the East, since I had Brunson as a starter, were Donovan Mitchell and Maxi. I think those guys have been great. I'll have Damian Lillard as one of my wild card spots as a guard. Obviously, it's been up and down overall for the Bucs, but he has been really good. I mean, up uh, and down, they're the second place team in the conference. As, as nitpicky, well, not even nitpicky, as clearly flawed as it's been. No, they, they're winning. Yes, they're winning games. Uh, totally. Yes. He's been, and he's been really good. That was my point. I just, it's obviously been a drama filled season for them, but he's been really good and deserves to be on the All Star team. Uh, so I would say those three guys are all there. I would say that Jimmy and Bam should both make it. I know that Jimmy is not at the 30 game McMahon threshold, but I think Jimmy Butler's an All Star. He's been really good when he's played. Bam has been fantastic when he's been out there. This is where it gets tricky because at this point, you've got a lot of guys, whether it's Paolo Bancaro or Jalen Brown or Julius Randle. Paolo Bancaro is going to dominate that rookie sophomore thing. <laughs> yes. He, he will He will really dominate that, obviously. Uh, I would probably say... I would probably say Paolo should make it based off of mm. he's been really the the hub of their team. He's played well. They've had a they've taken a big step forward this year. And I I think Julius should make it too. He's had a he's had a very good year for the Knicks. They've played well. So I think that's I think that's 12 guys or seven guys. Paolo Bancaro, number 26 on the Eastern Conference is uh Huge nerd index. Do the Magic deserve a player? You know, they started out hot and they've faded. Do they deserve a player? I, I don't think there's, I don't think we're under any obligation to get the Magic who are a couple of games above 500 and I believe in the number eight spot as we speak. Right. I don't think we're under any obligation to get them an all star. I just I think, think that he's been, I think he's been very good and their team has no spacing. They don't have a lot of guys who can score and he's had a massive load to carry for them and has done a really good job of doing it as their primary scorer just about every night. They've had Franz Wagner out. They've been starting Anthony Black a big chunk of the year, who's an interesting young rookie, but it's basically a zero on offense. Wendell Carter Jr. has missed the vast majority of the season with injuries. But yeah, like I don't feel super strongly yeah. about that. Like there's, again, like you're, you got a group of guys that the Celtics, you could look at any combination of Jalen Brown, Derek White, Chris Porzingis, Trey Young deserves consideration. I think for the way he's played, you got Paolo. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's having another very good year. I wouldn't have him in. There, there's a lot of guys. Scotty Barnes has had a really good year. I think you can make an argument for him. There, there's a lot of, again, there's like six, seven, eight guys. It's not quite as deep as the West, but there's a lot of guys to choose from for the final few spots. I think there's, I think there's two questions you have to ask yourself if you're a coach filling out the the, the seven in the East. One, mm -hmm. how many Celtics are you going to have? Yep. Two, how many centers are you going to have? Because Historically, since we only see two centers, unless there's a circumstance, so obviously you got Embiid. Chris House Porzingis is having an all star level <clears throat> season. Bam Adebayo is having an all star level season. I know he's not going to make it, and I know Bonzep's going to make fun of me. Jared Allen is having, who's been an all star in the past, Jared Allen is having an all star level season. Now, his case doesn't incorporate the entire 40 games. His case is basically the last 20 games in which he's averaging 17, 13, and four assists. Hey, Jared um, Allen, number 13 on the Eastern Conference HNI. He's got, you know, he's, he's I mean, right and there. the Cavs are in fourth his case, place. His case is solely an analytics case. 
solely the analytics case? Solely, like, no. He's averaging, I'm saying, I'm saying for the season from a raw number standpoint, he's averaging 14 and 10. He's not getting in averaging 14 and 10 unless you start to dig into the the broader impact he's having. And then from an analytics standpoint, you can make an argument. He's been in the conversation for it. But if you just see 14, uh, 10, you're not going to go, that guy's an all-star. That's all I'm saying. Well, I would just say, I think, you know, and there's games today. So I think since December 15th, which is when, right about when, um, it's easy to look back at those numbers, right about when Mobley and Garland went down. Mm -hmm. The Cavs have had the league's number one defense and the number seven offense. And it's one month. It's not three, but Jared Allen and Devin, De uh, Donovan Mitchell have driven that. And Jared Allen, especially. Um, Go ahead. Say what you want to say. Oh, that they've had a weak schedule. I mean, no one's the, arguing. A week isn't even week. the right yeah, word. They've it's, had a it's, super weak schedule, but that's okay. I mean, they've had two key guys out and they've won a lot of games. That's uh, all right. Yeah. So anyway, when you look at, I think Bam Adebayo has had an all-star season. I don't know about Jimmy Butler because he's missed so much time. Yeah. Bam's, in my mind, Bam is in there. When you look at Porzingis, now Porzingis, he has played 31 games. You know, he's missed some. His numbers are actually, his counting stats are a little bit down from last season. He's averaging fewer points and fewer rebounds, but his impact has been enormous. Yeah, I, if I'm picking a second Celtic, I know Jalen Brown will probably make it. But I, I, oh, I think Porzingis has been the second best Celtic. Well, I think you got to make the same thing. Are you picking three Celtics and three centers? Because if the answer is yes, then I think Porzingis is on is on your seven. And, I, and to me, to me, I'm saying yes. To me, I'm saying Porzingis. I'm my problem is I'm I'm I want to pick four centers. I I, I want to pick Embiid, Bam, Jared Allen, and Porzingis. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Do it. I, I'm definitely it's taking. Fine. Do you want? I, I'm definitely taking three centers and I'm taking Porzingis mm -hmm. because the Celtics have been so great and he's been such a uh, a huge awesome. part of it. Yeah, he's been awesome. So I'm and I and I think Jalen Brown has had an, a great year. So many games where he and uh he and Tatum have been terrific. So by the way, there's, taking, a, there's another Celtic who ranks higher than either of those in the H and I. Yeah, Peyton Derek Pritchard. White. Derek White's had a really good year, but he has he has tailed off a little bit over the past couple of weeks, and I I don't think he's quite in the realm of being an an all star as a fourth. I would guy. agree. I'm just pointing out. Yes, yeah, he's had a really good year. He's had a really good year. I'm taking Maxi and uh, and Donovan, as it says. What do I have left? How many do I have left? You got a couple I, wild cards, don't you? Oh no, you. I think I use one of my wild cards on a center. You're taking two. You got two backcourt spots, which is Donovan and Maxi. Yeah. What frontcourt guys did you pick? Well, I'm I'm taking three centers, <laughs> so I think <laughs> I'm taking three centers. Those are my three front court. Doing Bam, oh. Porzingis, and Jared Allen. Well, whatever, however you want to call them. Okay. Wild front oh, they're all front court guys. That's fine. Yeah. And so you've got you're taking Dame as a wild card. So yeah, so Dame is obviously making it. He didn't make my my starting list, so um, Dame is obviously making left. it. So then, who's uh, your final wild card? <laughs> so you got Julius Randle. It's a compelling case. You got Paolo Bancaro. Compelling case. Jalen Brown. Why? Oh, Jalen Brown's the answer. I forgot I didn't have Jalen Brown. James Brown. Jalen Brown. Yep. There you go. I went front court, Porzingis, Bam, and a man I'm surprised that Bon Timps didn't, Scotty Barnes, number eight in the Eastern Conference, HNI. I, I just could not bring myself to leave out of he, I've never heard him talk about the HNI before today, and he's, he's, he's well, leaning he's, yeah, on it big time. Just, just never stopped talking about it ever since. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey and Jalen Brunson. I, I remember I had Donovan Mitchell as a starter. Yep. Uh, and then Dame and Trey Young. I mean, listen, I know Trey is a polarizing player. 
having a terrific year. The he's not having the, the best shooting season, but just his his numbers are too big to ignore. You know, there, I mean, there's there's a certain point where you know I we can talk about Julius Randle, we can talk about for me Derek White, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, Jared Allen, but like to, Trey Young's numbers is leap off the page, unlike any of those guys. So that's the guy I went with in my last wild card spot. Plus, people want to watch guys who can make 35 footers and throw lobs. He's an yeah, all he's, he's perfect. He's perfect he, fit for the all-star. Deep he is freeze, an all-star, lob passes, he's an all-star game player. He is an all-star game player. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, look, I mean, I I don't I think historically the coaches really lean on team success. If yeah. there's you know, and so I've kind of, you know, it's like if it's your year, it's your year. You know, if you've earned if your team has performed really well, you should do it. And it just it's hard when your team is so underperformed, which is what the Hawks have, which is why the Hawks are, I think, examining changes to the roster. Yeah. Not necessarily his fault per se. Yeah. He tried it, in the concussion protocol for taking a charge yesterday. Like his he's actually, I mean, Trey's never gonna be Drew Holiday, but he has actually taken some steps on the defensive end this year too, to be better than he's been, at least, which is certainly worth mentioning also, even though that's, that's what say, which is a low bar. Well, yes. yes. Yeah. Why there's only 12 players on the all-star team when there's 15 active players? Yeah. So that's the other thing. Like, come on, dude. There, there's been 12 players on the all-star roster since there were, what, like 12 teams in the league? Like, <laughs> yeah. the regular rosters are bigger. There's actually 18 guys in the rosters now. Three two-ways and 15 roster spots. Right. But I you know think, why. You know why. I think we need to go to 18, but I think 15 is more than... No, but 15 is reasonable. Why? What? What? Because of bonuses and crap? Well, it's not just bonuses, but it's also, I'm an all-star, pay me the max or whatever. Well, brother, I hate to tell you, there's a lot of guys who ain't going to make the all-star cut who are going to get the max. <laughs> That's you true. Think, I, I mean, I'm like, it's just the way it is. Like, hey, you think Pascal Siakam's about to get the max? He probably won't be an all-star this year. He wasn't mentioned on this pod until just now. You know, I mean, uh, whether De'Aaron Fox makes an all-star game or not, you think his next deal with, with the Kings is going to be a max? Yeah. I mean, Kyrie basically, it, he came in a little short of max. He's he's not going to be an all-star this year. You think the Mavericks are, are feeling like, oh, my gosh, she's not even an all-star. We're overpaying him. No, that's that's the price of, of the game these days. It's a little off topic, but I am very curious to see, as we move forward in this new CBA, if some of these borderline max cases – start to stop being maxes. And it is a little bit more like the Kyrie Irving negotiation. Not that people are going to be broke, to be clear, but that yeah. maybe it's because look, when you're talking about why the negotiation where the yeah. man 50 mil a year, 50 mil and change. Right. A year. right. And I think that's exactly, I was just talking with an executive about this within the last few days that very, I'm not saying never, but very rarely did a player get 90% of the max. Like if right. you got to a certain extent, they right. weren't, they weren't haggling, you know, you got the max. Right. Got it. That's with the new, with the rules, with the second apron and the, the danger of having three max players on your books, there's going to be harder negotiations on that. Yeah. And, and the, know, the play- one is one, that's a great point, McMahon, even more than some of these other guys. That's one that a lot of teams can point to and say, Hey, that guy can sign for less than the max. A lot of people can sign less for the max. So I'm, I'm just interested to see over time how that starts to shake out. Cause I think well, it's, We'll see what Paul George signs for, but he may get a different contract than Kawhi Leonard gets because Kawhi Leonard, 
um, really added two seasons. Paul's a little bit younger and a, and a little bit healthier. Maybe he gets more in, in overall guaranteed money, or maybe he gets a player option in there where Kawhi didn't or something like that. I doubt he's getting more per year than Kawhi. It's going to be interesting to see. And I don't think Harden's getting that either. So yeah. if you, if the Clippers set the standard that Kawhi and Paul George don't get max salaries and, and, uh, and, and, Kawhi, and uh, Kyrie didn't get a max, you know, you've got a, <laughs> a genuine trend there. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see what Siakam gets because that, that may buck the trend. All right. Well, that was our all-star selections. Very excited. Be as exciting as the rookie sophomore game, I'm sure. By the way, speaking of All Star, did you guys see that court in the Indianapolis airport is a damn sticker? Yeah, it's not a real court. And there's well, that that's BS. And there's lids on the rim. Don't have hoops. I didn't know there were lids on the rim. Yeah, don't have hoops. And like there, yeah, some TikTok door uh, did something. I saw it on Instagram. But anyways, um, he 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 booked a flight. Round trip to uh, Indy just so he could go shoot around on this court. He got there. It's a sticker. They have lids on the rims and like signs basically saying you're not allowed to shoot on these. These are for, you know, decoration only. You can't put hoops in the middle of like a, a massive area and not let people get buckets. Well, I Especially would say in it's Indianapolis. Perfect- it's the only defense played in Indianapolis all year long. <laughs> He was just, he, it was all to get that joke off. Oh, that was actually all set up like everything else. I, I would say uh, that that is the perfect representation symbol of, of all-star weekend because all-star weekend is long been way more about style than substance. You might as well get that right on, right out in front as you arrive at the airport. For and it. as you walk into the, walk into the airport that, uh, this is not about basketball this weekend. Thank you very much. It's about the appearance. You can't wait. Of you can't wait for the All Star Weekend. No, I can't, Tim. No, I can't. No, I can't. All right. Thanks for uh, listening to our All Stars. Thanks for learning about the huge nerd index. <laughs> and thank you to our producer Jackson. Thank you to Bon Temps McMahon. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you in a few days. Adios, amigos. Jackson's pretty tall too. All of you guys tower over me. <laughs>